to another episode of the Bottom Up Revolution podcast from Strong Towns. This is a special Strongest Town contest episode featuring a competitor in the final four round of our competition. So it's my pleasure to welcome a representative from Lockport, Illinois, the Mayor Steve Streit. Welcome. Thanks for being here. Well, thank you, Rachel. Thank you for having us. So could you start by just briefly introducing yourself and, and tell us how, you know, how long you've lived in Lockport and how you came to, to be uh, the mayor. I'm just finishing up my second term as mayor. Um, never had any political aspirations before I ran, but, um, you know, our downtown had been in shambles. There was a lot of contention in the city council. It just drove me crazy. So just decided to put our hat in the ring and see if we could make things a little bit better. First moved here in 1990 after I got out of the service, and now I have a, a, an old home in the downtown with my wife and two daughters. Wonderful. Can you talk a little bit about how your town has adapted to the economic and community challenges of the last year during the pandemic? Yeah, well, obviously it was a dark time for everybody, and we're just starting to emerge. But when the shutdown first happened, we tried to find ways to help support our small businesses, number one. That was like the first thing. We knew that restaurants and places like that were not going to be able to be open, but they could do takeout. So we launched a whole campaign called Eat Lockport, where we posted all the places you could still get takeout. um, And we really encouraged people to go utilize that. And then as we started getting to a place where we were coming out of the first shutdown, but we knew there were a lot of people that were still very vulnerable and be worried about going out. We started a, a program called Lockport Shield. And Lockport Shield was totally made up of volunteers where residents who felt, you know, they were susceptible or had comorbidity issues and these kinds of things could, could call us and say, hey, I need help getting groceries or, you know, running an errand for medicine for me or something like that. So they could stay sheltered in place. And that was in conjunction with our, our police department, which has a great organization called Lockport Love, which has always been, it's been in place for a number of years, which helps uh, underserved families with the gift cards and monetary things and home repairs. Uh, so Lockport Shield was really easy to put in place because we already had Lockport Love and our citizens are great here. That's what they do. They, they band together and help each other. Those, those are two big things. Another one too is, we also instituted a lot of, uh, you know, as the year progressed, we instituted outdoor dining. We were mm. able to buy picnic tables and benches and supply those to the businesses. We help offset their costs if they bought tents and stuff like that. They could submit their receipts to us. Um, so we really found ways to fast track, you know, any kind of outdoor dining options that they could set up in their parking lots or on the curbside. So that's another thing we did. And then we had a big grant program too. We um, were able to provide grants um, for our businesses that were shut down. They applied. Um, it was just all local businesses, and we were able to provide about three hundred thousand dollars for our local businesses for that. So, um, as your community works to become more and more um, financially resilient for the future, what steps has your town taken that you're especially proud of that you think are going to um, have the most long-lasting impact on on the stability of your town? One of the big things is we we put a big refocus on our downtown. And this is funny because when I first became mayor, there's there's a mayor 
in the region who's been here for 30 years, or mayor for 30 years, and he's the godfather. And the first thing he told me goes, I told, I'm going to tell you, and I tell every other mayor of Lockport, first thing you need to do is bulldoze that downtown. Nobody shops <laughs> that way anymore. You got to build what I have, the big promenade. Right? It's like basically an outdoor shopping mall. But it's really proven to be kind of the opposite. You know, and I said, well, thank you, but we are the city of historic pride, so we're going to keep our downtown. I appreciate the advice, but we really started focusing on rebuilding the downtown, putting infrastructure in that had been long neglected, doing some of the beautification things that, you know, our master plan had called for. Um, we took advantage of a few opportunities uh, for funding that came up and we kept our eye open for. But and then we also did some strategic property buying down there. There were some buildings that were just either burned out and had been empty with no windows for years. And we were able to purchase those and then find developers and get that turned around. And that kind of sustainability of downtowns, which, you know, uh, we see Chuck talks about this all the time. It's like, you know, a, a building in the downtown can be reused over and over again over a course of 200 years. Whereas like, you know, a big thing out by the, the highway basically has one use, right? A Jiffy Lube has one use. <laughs> That's about it. Yeah, Whereas, right. Really very happy and excited to see our downtown just totally um, change itself. Because once we did those fixes, Rachel, we really saw the private development come in and start buying up buildings and start um, rehabbing them and bringing in the businesses. And it's really been transformative. Um, and, and we feel like that's that really does help our sustainability because those are the kind of projects and places that make sense over time as we redo infrastructure and these things because the, 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 they're condensed, they're tight, and they're not spread out all over the place. Uh, so I'd say that's one of the big ones. You know, one of the things we had to manage was we had a lot of legacy zoning. Back in the early 2000s, you know, big tracts of land were zoned residential. Everything was like build a subdivision, build a subdivision. And that has been tough, right? When I came on board, we had a lot of this legacy zoning. So it's not like I could just change zoning on somebody, right? Landowners have property rights, but how did we manage when a new subdivision wanted to get built, um, you know, and allowing um, uses that sometimes the public doesn't like because they always get scared. Like we have some, you know, higher density apartments because we needed to have some, some balance to our, our housing stock, but people always get nervous with that. But the truth is, when you have a well-managed, you know, apartments um, that are laid out for walkability and for, um, you know, have a higher density, they really can be outstanding. And, and they filled right up. And, you know, so some of that is also working with the public and helping them understand and, and get past their fears of what they think an apartment is going to be. And the truth is, this is the crazy thing. There's, there's about 900 rental houses. If people always think like, oh, you know, I, I don't want rentals, but it's a really good chance that there's houses in their neighborhood that were bought and are being rented right now. So the, the fear of renting is, I think, often misplaced. And yeah. if we have, you know, well-managed complexes or say developments, it's there's a lot of benefit to that. So let's turn to what are the areas that you're most um, hoping that your community can can grow in, can improve on um, in the coming months and years, you know, the rest of your term or, or past that? Yeah, I think that the next big thing here that we're trying to implement is that um, in northern Will County, where we live, there's a very big logistics industry. 
um, a lot of warehousing, a lot of trucks. And while we have um, done our best to keep those growth industries up next to the highway where they have easy access to get on and off, we had a huge track of land right next to our downtown. It was 180 acres. It was an old oil refinery. It had been remitted. It's a brownfield now, but it's literally like six blocks away from our historic downtown. And so very worried about how that was going to get developed. They floated everything from, you know, a rail yard to intermodal to 4 million square feet of logistics, which would have just overwhelmed our town. And you can't put that many trucks in the heart of our downtown. So we had an opportunity to purchase it from Chevron and we got a really good deal on it. And so now we can take that property and do something really spectacular with it. We're not in a position where we have to get one developer all at once, right? We can do some long-term planning on how we can build that out. And while it can't be residential because of IEPA standards, we can really do some interesting things um, for giving autonomy to people. And and one of the things that we started with was actually a smaller area um, along our historic canal that we call the Maker's Pad. And this is where we're encouraging shipping container businesses to come in. Um, and this is stuff where people can really have autonomy, you know, for like $25,000, somebody can have their own shipping container business with windows, HVAC, and it's theirs, right? And we plop it on the city parcel that we have right along the canal. It's very cool. Bike path is there. And you've seen some of these shipping container businesses. They're really fun. And so um, we have our first one just put in like a, a couple months ago. It's a hydroponic grower. Um, I have calls now for others, but giving people autonomy and, you know, uh, control over their own destiny. I mean, let's be honest. I mean, you, you do this shipping container thing and, you know, four years from now, you want to pick up and move to Tennessee, you can take it with you, right? And that's some of the beauty of it. It's like it gives people opportunities um, that, so that's kind of phase one of this maker's pad. And then looking at that Chevron parcel into a maker's park where we've got a lot of interesting uh, plans that we've done feasibility studies for and have some investors eyeballing doing that on a larger scale within permanent buildings, but that are, you know, small users, not a 500,000 square foot building for one use, but like lots of smaller 1500 square foot, 2000 square foot um, buildings that, uh, you know, people, three or four people can have a business and be autonomous and make stuff. So that's something that I'd really like to, as we move forward here in the next, uh, next term, um, take care of. Yeah, sounds like some cool new opportunities. The next question comes from a Strong Towns member who wrote a commentary on your community uh, in the last round. Um, his name is Mitch Foster. He said, you know, there's a lot of discussion in your application and and about your town um, talking about, you know, new developments or, you know, redevelopments of existing places. But how do you think about repair and planning for maintenance, ongoing maintenance needs of the stuff that's already in place, yeah. especially no, outside the downtown? Yeah, absolutely. And that's a huge thing. And because when, you know, our downtown had a lot of critical infrastructure uh, problems, like like probably many do. So while we've been able to take care of those things um, and do a lot of big projects, you're absolutely spot on. Our Part of our capital improvement plan has been maintenance for roads and neighborhoods throughout the city. So those newer subdivisions that may only be 10 years old is that we're making sure that we're resurfacing those roads, making sure that we're providing long-term maintenance for them so that you know, uh, uh, you know, mayor and council 
15, 20 years from now doesn't face catastrophic uh, failure, you know, or end of life problems with within those neighborhoods. So we have been working diligently to make sure that our outer neighborhoods and, and um, uh, are, are taken care of maintenance wise. That's great to hear. So last question, you know, in, in the spirit of friendly competition, but also, you know, celebrating all the communities that are in this contest. Um, I wonder if you have any thoughts on uh, your, your current competitor in this round, Bismarck, North Dakota. I don't know if you've ever been there. Isn't um, this a giant setup? Isn't this Chuck's hometown? <laughs> no, but he, he has done uh, events there before, <laughs> I think. Yeah. Forgive me, Bismarck. I haven't I haven't read up yet, so I will make sure that um, we read up on, on Bismarck. But you know, knowing that uh, anybody who's like filed the application to be part of this contest, I think has has a heart to do and be a strong town and take on these principles that we're all been talking about. You know, so how do we build a sustainable city, and how do we make sure that our residents, not just this generation, but for an infinite number of generations, can exist and I'm sure that you guys are all doing the same thing, seeing as that you're part of this contest. Tells me a lot that you wanted to do this. So, Yeah. So last question. Um, I heard that you have started a Strong Towns book club. Is that right? In yeah. Your, the, your the, residents the, or, or colleagues? Yep. So, what, you know, part of the big thing with this is, is, is getting community buy-in, right? You, you can't have... I mean, you know how communities are. Everybody's like, "Oh, I mean, where's my? I want a, I want a Best Buy. I want a Target. I want a, a, you know, I want all these. I want an Applebee's." And that kind of highway development that we all, you know, constantly seek. It's like that's fine, but there's there's some consequences to that kind of development, right? That we have to manage properly. I mean, anybody who reads Strong Town says, "Oh, yeah, okay, I get it," <laughs> right? Yeah. So, um, I certainly had all our council members read it and staff, but you know now it's a matter of trying to get that dialogue out into the larger population so that um, you know we can grow as a community and, like I said, be sustainable indefinitely. Very cool. Well, Mayor Steve Streit, thank you for being on this episode of our podcast. For our listeners, you can learn more about this contest and vote in this matchup by visiting strongtowns.org/slash strongest town. Mayor, good luck to Lockport in this uh, part of the contest and the rest. And it was wonderful to uh, get to speak with you. Yeah, same. I really appreciate it. uh, Our residents have been having a lot of fun with it. So thank you. Great. All right. We'll take care. Thanks.